to Marines at my door telling me my son was dead. That is the mother of Marine Corps Lance Corporal Riley McCollum, now back in the United States of America, who died last week at the age of 20. Corporal McCollum, 20 years old, of Jackson, Wyoming, had been married for just six months when he was killed in Afghanistan last week. Just two months after his wedding in February, he was sent overseas for the first time and uh, anticipating a new baby with his new wife. Coming up in our next segment, you're going to meet those who gave their lives so selflessly helping others over in Afghanistan who were killed in that attack in Kabul. We have their names. We will say their names, and we have their backgrounds as well. Good morning, San Antonio, 550 KTSA, FM 1071, the Treyware page, KTSA.com. We'll have a new video up there for you in a few minutes. And, uh, and you know, here's the deal. Uh, we got big stories to talk about today. We not only have the continuation of what's going on in Afghanistan, now we have Hurricane Ida, who has gone in right there in the New Orleans area and uh, affecting, of course, everything east of where the storm, where the eye of the storm went in. We, in South Texas, we were on the uh, westerly side, as we told you, the sinking air side, and so we had a super hot weekend and even hotter temperatures coming for this week. It was the 16-year anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. As we told you last week, it's hard to predict these kinds of storms, but felt like they were. It was really going to blow up once it got over the Gulf of Mexico, and uh, and over the warm waters of the Gulf of Mexico, and that's exactly what happened with Hurricane Ida making landfall yesterday as a Category Four, 150 mile per hour winds. Five is the highest you can get. That's 157. So for all intents and purposes, although meteorologists won't uh, say so, for all intents and purposes, this was as strong as it gets coming ashore. So strong, it turned the Mississippi River around and had the Mississippi River flowing the other direction. We also have breaking news out of uh, Afghanistan this morning. Five rockets have been fired, apparently, at the airport in Kabul, and we will keep you up to date on that. Now, we had an active weekend on our side, by the way. Um, we apparently had fired at some ISIS planners late on Friday night, early Saturday morning, our time here in South Texas, uh, killing them off of their motorcycles. This is what our uh, Pentagon is telling us. Um, and so they are not releasing the names of those ISIS planners at all. And one of the things I pointed out in my video, it'll be up here in a little while, is it, it was interesting to me that for some reason we are being told that we didn't have the intelligence from our intelligence community to know that the Afghan government was going to collapse and the military was going to take off. We didn't have that intelligence, but within hours we found we had the intelligence to find these, these uh, ISIS planners and knock them off their bicycles. And then uh, we uh, launched another attack by drone and blew up a car. And now U.S. CENTCOM has issued a couple of statements after we blew up that car in Afghanistan saying that we are investigating further because apparently, according to reports on CNN from on the ground there, we killed a bunch of um, uh, innocent civilians, a family with some children and what have you, when we blew the car up. So CENTCOM has issued a uh, missive and saying we are 
aware of the reports of civilian casualties following our strike in the uh, vehicle in Kabul today. We are investigating to find out more about it. Meanwhile, one million people so far are without power in Louisiana and one dead. All of New Orleans is without power, including one million customers in Louisiana. It is continuing to move north as a tropical storm right now. Ida made landfall as Category 4 hurricane near Port uh, Fortune, Louisiana, yesterday. Same date, 16 years to the day that Hurricane Katrina devastated Louisiana and Mississippi. And as of um, uh, 4 a.m., Ida was located about 95 miles southwest of Jackson, Mississippi, with maximum winds now of 60 miles per hour, down from 105 uh, late on Sunday, according to the National Hurricane Center, moving north at 8 miles an hour, so not moving very fast. Right now we have one dead and more than a million customers without power over there. Powerful hurricane. Uh, lots of destruction there, although it's going to take daylight and uh, and more crews on the ground to determine just exactly how much destruction there was. The entire city of New Orleans without power again. And um, uh, as it continues to move to the north right now, the entire Tennessee Valley and up into the Ohio Valley are bracing themselves for flooding that's going to be coming in the next day or so. I was talking to some friends in Knoxville, Tennessee last night, and they are taking precautions for flooding there in the Tennessee River uh, as they are ready for what's left of Hurricane Ida to make it up in that direction, sure to bring that kind of flooding. Anthony Fauci is now talking about coronavirus booster shots, and he's saying the chances are real good that we're all going to have to take booster shots at least every five months. At least every five months to be able to contain uh, COVID. And he also said, that we'll start to see a control over this if we'll take these booster shots sometime around the spring or summer of 2022. So at least another year or so of this going on, says Anthony Fauci. Now, he's really, really hard to believe, isn't he, at this point? Uh, but that's what he's saying. Um, I, you know, it, it seems to me the goalpost has continually moved because we were supposed to be done with this right now. And I think uh, the, the media has done quite the incredible job of hyping this up. I was paying close attention over the weekend of the stories that the media, including local television, uh, that they were putting up uh, in relation to this, and, and, and national folks as well, and how the only stories that you ever see posted anywhere from the mainstream media these days are people who decided they weren't going to get vaccinated, who decided they were going to do, you know, their own treatment, maybe ivermectin or something like that, uh, vitamin C or whatever, and now they're dead. Those are the only stories they're posting. You never see a story about how people recover. You never, ever see them talk about how somebody, yeah, they didn't have to go to the hospital and they're fine. They, no, they don't post those. The only stories they're posting right now are stories of those who did not get vaxxed, they treated it for themselves, and now they're dead. See, this is what's going to happen to you. If you don't get vaxxed, you try to treat it by yourself. That's the story that they're putting out there. And you know what? That's just not true in every case. Now, they're making it sound that way, but that's the propaganda arm working clearly. You can see it every day. That's the only story that they'll put up. And you folks in the media, you ought to be fair. You ought to be real. 
and you ought to get yourself together and quit being a trying to make yourself a part of the story and sway public opinion one way or the other because of your political proclivities. Tell the side of the people who are recovering. Talk about how great it is to have these doctors and nurses and they get people back on their feet and they get out. It has less than a 1% chance of killing people and you are focused on that less than 1% chance. Wow. Just for a click. Sticking with the eight. Yeah, that's... uh... He's been saying that, but he's also now talking about five. In fact, yesterday afternoon, he was talking about five months instead of the eight months. So, I don't know. He, he, this, is the, this is what causes the vaccine hesitancy that we talk about so much, is that they keep changing the story on the vaccine. Because at first, it had a 90 to 95% chance that you weren't going to get COVID if you got vaccinated. And then that changed because people that were vaccinated were getting COVID. So then t- t- today it is, well, no, 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 no. It's not going to keep you from getting it. You're still going to get it. Even if you are vaccinated, you're going to get it. But it's going to keep you from getting super, super sick and dying. That's the point. It's a therapeutic now. And Alex Berenson, who was on this show last year, he was a former writer from uh, the New York Times. He simply pointed that out on Twitter. And Twitter banned him this weekend. Now, Twitter still allows the Taliban on there. They still have an account. But the president, president, former President Trump, he's been banned. And now Alex Berenson has been banned. Of course, they're violating their Section 223 over at Twitter by deciding who can and who can't be on their platform because it's not a platform anymore. They're a publisher. They're acting like a publisher. They're acting like a propaganda piece. There's only certain uh, things they want published over at Twitter. And if you disagree with them, with their political stance or whatever, you're uh, banned for life. And that's what happened to Alex. I got more details on that coming up. But it's 521 now at KTSA. I want you to meet the 13 who died in the attack in Kabul last uh, week. 11 were men. Two were women. All but one was too young to even remember September 11th and the terrorist attacks in New York City and why we were in Afghanistan. First is Marine Corps Lance Corporal David Espinosa from Rio Bravo, Texas. He last spoke to his mother, Elizabeth Olguin, on Wednesday, just a day before the suicide bombing that killed him. His final words to his mother were, I love you. Olguin told the Washington Post that Espinosa's dream had always been to join the Marine Corps. He enlisted right after he graduated in 2019 from Lyndon Baines Johnson High School in Laredo, Texas. Texas Governor Greg Abbott ordered the flags to be flown at half-staff in honor of those who were killed, including Corporal David Espinosa. Sergeant Nicole G. G-23 from Roseville, California, had become famous the week before her death by being featured in several viral Instagram posts from the airport. In one of those posts, she is holding an Afghan baby with a caption that read, I love my job. She's got a big smile. In another photo, she can be seen standing guard as Afghan refugees head toward a military aircraft preparing to leave the country. And that one she captioned, escorting evacuees onto the bird. 
Next is Marine Corps Staff Sergeant Taylor Hoover, Hoover 31 from Utah. Hoover's father telling the Post that his son was a true hero who did what he loved doing, serving the United States. Army Staff Sergeant Ryan Knaus. Knaus, 23, from Knoxville, Tennessee, dreamed of being in the military since at least the second grade, writing in his yearbook that he wanted to be a Marine. He joined junior ROTC in high school, graduated in 2016. After then, he joined the U.S. Army. Marine Corps Corporal Hunter Lopez. Lopez, 22, of Riverside, California, the son of two law enforcement agents in Southern California. His mother is a deputy sheriff. His father is a sheriff's captain. Lopez planned to become a sheriff's deputy after this deployment. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Riley McCollum. You just heard McCollum's mom calling into that radio talk show. You'll hear more of that a little bit later on. 20 years old of Jackson, Wyoming. Had been married for just six months when he was killed. Just two months after his wedding in February, he was sent overseas for the first time as the newlyweds were already expecting their first child. Two weeks before the airport attack, McCollum had been transferred to Afghanistan to assist in the evacuation effort. McCollum's sister, Royce, told the Post that her brother had wanted to join the military since he was two. He signed up the day he turned 18. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Dylan Marola. Marola, 20, from Rancho Cucamonga, California working behind the scenes and theater and being outdoors. That was his favorite thing to do. He was just the kind of person who would always be there for his friends, enjoyed hanging out with his family for family cookout nights, hiking, fishing, kayaking, spending time just being with his family. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Kareem Nakui. Nakui, 20, of Norco, California, loved the Marine Corps family, said Nakui's father. He was going to make a career out of this. He wanted to go. There was no hesitation when he was called to duty. Nakui's father also blasted President Joe Biden for the situation in Kabul, telling Reuters he was very disappointed in the way the president has handled this, even more so the way the military has handled it. Marine Corps Sergeant Johanny Rosario. According to a uh, former Marine who served with Rosario in Okinawa, Japan, calling Rosario her soulmate. Rosario had always wanted to be in the military, 25 years old from Lawrence, Massachusetts. Marine Corps Corporal Humberto Sanchez. Sanchez, 22, of Logansport, Indiana, loved to make people laugh. Kennedy Reichert, a friend of Sanchez since elementary school, saying that he was the light that was always on 24-7. Everybody loved him. He was constantly joking, constantly laughing, constantly trying to make people smile. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Jared Schmitz, Schmitz 20, of Winsville, Missouri, dreamed of being a Marine since he was young. His father learned of his son's death when he heard a knock on the door in the middle of the night. It was 2.40 in the morning when the Marine showed up to give the horrific news. He was on his first deployment. Navy Hospital Corpsman Max Sobiak, Sobiak 22 from Berlin Heights, Ohio, planned to make the Navy his career. A member of the school's state championship wrestling team and football team, his last words to his parents over video chat, don't worry, Mom, my guys got my six. They won't let anything happen to me. And finally, Marine Corps Corporal Dagan William Tyler Page.
Page 23 from Omaha, Nebraska, loved animals and the Chicago Blackhawks. He was generally a happy guy. After finishing his enlistment, Dagan planned to come home and go to a local trade school, possibly a lineman. He's a Boy Scout who joined the Marines after graduating from Millard Smith High School. He was an avid hunter, an outdoorsman. I just thought you'd like to know those who gave their lives in a humanitarian mission for peace and freedom the United States. AccuWeather today, times of clouds and sun. A thunderstorm will be around mainly this afternoon and this evening with a high today of 93. Tomorrow's high, 96. A very sunny and hot week ahead. In your safe places... Not a time to venture out throughout our city at all. It's unsafe. That's America Trail from New Orleans. Thank you, Chris. Great audio. Appreciate it. Hurricane Ida making landfall to Louisiana, and that was yesterday, obviously, and leaving in its wake at least one dead and now one million without power. More than a million people in Louisiana alone without power. A dangerous storm surge, damaging winds, flash flooding, all continuing right now over portions of southeastern Louisiana, southern Mississippi, and our beautiful coastline there. This powerful hurricane downgraded to a tropical storm at this point as continuing to pound Louisiana and that area there with more than a million uh, customers without power. The entire city of New Orleans is dark. At least one person is dead. As of about uh, 30 minutes ago, it's located uh, 95 miles south, southwest of Jackson, Mississippi, with winds of 60 mile per hour now. That's down from 105, which it was last night, 150 when it made landfall yesterday afternoon. And a hurricane warning with tropical warning from uh, Grand Isle, Louisiana, to the mouth of the Pearl River. This thing was so powerful when it made landfall, it turned the Mississippi River around. Now, if you know anything about the Mississippi River, you know how powerful the mighty, they call it the mighty Mississippi for a reason. It turned it around and had it flowing back the other way. Flash flooding still continuing over portions of southeastern Louisiana and the southern Mississippi as well. Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards said that Ida could be the most powerful hurricane to hit the state in more than six, 160 years. 16 years ago to the day that Category 3 Katrina hit Louisiana, right there in the New Orleans area. And keep in mind, it wasn't necessarily a storm surge from the coast, and it wasn't necessarily the winds that caused the issue with New Orleans back 16 years ago. What it was were the winds coming back on the backside because of the rotation of the storm, doing damage to the levees, and then Lake Pontchartrain emptying itself into new orleans remember new orleans sits underneath water on on all sides uh that's why it has those that levee system which they they spent about 160 million dollars uh, to fortify that levee system after uh, hurricane katrina 16 years ago and so far so good no breaches that we're told of as of right now the uh city has relied on a backup power of pumps and removing storm water from the streets but, of course, it's just now beginning to see a little daylight over in the New Orleans area, and uh, they're, they're going to have to do more damage assessment there to find out exactly what uh, the situation is as they roll forward. Uh, President Biden declaring a major disaster for Louisiana, ordering federal aid to supplement state, tribal, and local delivery efforts in areas that were impacted by Hurricane Ida. Significant flooding reported late Sunday night in a place that's a community adjacent to Lake uh, Pontchartrain as well. 
and uh, that entire area over there now uh, with it being downgraded now to a tropical storm. It's continuing on a northerly uh, trek that's going to take it into the Tennessee Valley, up into the Ohio Valley. And I was talking to some friends in Knoxville, Tennessee, last night, and everybody is just bracing for flash flooding because it's on its way, and they know it's on its way, and they're trying to get ready as uh, as best they can. 539 now, KTSA. Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, is asking the Biden administration to stop resettling illegal immigrants in Florida. He wrote to the Biden administration on Friday asking them to stop resettling illegal immigrants in the state of Florida and to either deport them instead or take them to states that support the flouting of our immigration laws. I've been telling you about this for quite some time, that what they're doing by bringing in all these folks, they're importing voters. They're bringing people in that will vote because, as we know, when illegal immigrants come to the country, Nine times out of ten, in fact, it's over nine times out of ten, they vote Democrat. And the Democrats know that. That's why they open the border. They don't care about terrorists coming across the border. We're in more danger now because of that than we have been since 9-11-2001. According to terrorism expert Dr. Jeffrey Atticott and others, we're in more danger today than we were on 9-10-2001. More danger. But what the Democrats have been doing is resettling red states, such as Texas, trying to flip Texas blue. It's all part of the Democrats' plan to cheat another election. The Democrat Party is cheaters. They cheated the last election, in my view, and this is another part of their plan to cheat the next election and to cheat in perpetuity forevermore. So they're not only resettling the state of Texas with folks who will vote Democrat and turn Texas blue, but they're also doing it to Florida. Why? Because their biggest target right now is the guy who's the biggest threat to the Democrat Party in 2024, and that happens to be Ron DeSantis. Now, it's very interesting. There's some rumblings over the weekend about some of the other guys who are going to get in in 2024, who might get in in 2024. Senator Ted Cruz's name came up because he went to Iowa. Mike Pompeo and Marco Rubio are also traveling to some of those states like New Hampshire and Iowa in the coming days. So, yeah, we're just about to be, even before we get into the midterms next year, we're going to be in presidential politics. But the biggest threat identified by the Democrat Party right now to them is Ron DeSantis because he's done a tremendous job in Florida. And the people of Florida love him. Why? Because he stands for freedom. Same thing in South Dakota with Christy Noem. She stands for freedom. And so does Ron DeSantis. But they have been taking as many illegal aliens over to Florida as they can. San Antonio has basically been the distribution hub. Did you know that? Because our mayor welcomes them here, and our mayor wants to be the next Democrat governor from the state of Texas. So he's working with the Biden administration to distribute them throughout the country, bringing them here first. And then making sure that Catholic Charities and these other organizations get their hands on them and take them to red states all across America, but primarily here in Texas and primarily over in Florida. Because if you win Texas, yeah, well, let's put it this way. You have to have Texas and you have to have Florida in order to win the presidency. And the Democrats know that. And they were working really hard with illegal immigrants who they want to give amnesty to, which, by the way, is in their, quote, infrastructure bill you know the bill that's going to build roads roads and bridges no in there is amnesty for all the illegal immigrants illegal aliens who are here in the united states so that they can vote in the next presidential election california teacher says 
The flag of the United States makes her real uncomfortable. So what did she do about it? I'll tell you. And the latest out of Afghanistan. That one was the gay pride multicolor rainbow flag. No, she took down the flag of the United States because it made her feel uncomfortable. And she replaced it with the gay pride multicolored rainbow thing. And so you know what her students are now doing? When they recite the Pledge of Allegiance over the loudspeaker every morning, her students turn and face the gay pride flag and say, I pledge allegiance to the gay pride flag. Isn't that so wonderful? But, Chris, I think just so that everybody gets the idea of the type of person who's educating our kids, let's just hear. It doesn't matter what portion you're going to play. Let's just hear her again, shall we? Okay, so during third period, we have announcements, and they do the Pledge of Allegiance. I always tell my class, stand if you feel like it, don't stand if you feel like it, say the words if you want, don't have to say the words. So my class decided to stand but not say the words. Totally fine. Except for the fact that my room does not have a flag. It used to be there. But I took it down during COVID because it made me uncomfortable. Made, and made her feel um, uncomfortable, I packed it away and I don't know where and I haven't found it yet <laughs> but my kid today goes hey um, it's kind of weird that we just stand and then you know we say it to nothing and I'm like oh well you know I gotta find it like I'm working on it I got you and she's shaking <laughs> her head because she's not looking in the meantime I she's lying kid, to the kid we do have a flag in the class that you can pledge your allegiance to and he like looks around and he goes Oh, that one? And she's showing the gay pride flag and laughs. Man, I really have gotten to the point where I just hate public education. I really have. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, oh, my God. You know, like she's smacking gum and twirling her hair all at the same time. I have grandchildren who are more mature than her. I have grandchildren who are more responsible than this numbnut, brainless trash who is teaching children in California. Now let's turn to something that matters. Kathy McCollum, the mother of 20-year-old Lance Corporal Riley McCollum, called in to the Wilcow Majority Show on Sirius XM Patriot Radio. She revealed that she had just been notified at 4 a.m. that her son, 20-year-old Lance Corporal Riley McCollum, had been killed in Afghanistan, and she's not happy. Two Marines showed up my house at 4 o'clock in the morning to tell me my son was dead. So, my name is Kathy McCollum. My son was Riley James McCollum. You can check it out. Um, his wife, I, she might not want me to say her name. Um, they just got married on February 14th, and they're expecting a baby on on uh, September 26th. And... Um, I just can't, I just, I just couldn't sit by idly because I think I need to just process through anger instead of tears. And so this is how I'm going to do it. And Laura Bovert's coming to my house tomorrow. My representative will be at my house tomorrow and um, we'll speak and hopefully she'll be able to convey my message to the rest of the United States that this was, she said, your son did not die in vain, but guess what? My son did die in vain. This was an unnecessary debacle that could have been handed, handled properly. They had months and months to, re, to remove everyone from 
Afghanistan and they chose not to. And so they sent in freaking what, 6,000 troops. And my son, through the laws of statistics, my son was one of the ones who just got blown up in a freaking terrorist bomb yesterday. So I I know you'll check it out and that's fine. Um, So instead of grieving and crying, I'm just getting mad. If there's any organization that you would like me to connect you to, if you want us, you want to give us information. There are many family support organizations that we work with. We used to do a thing called. This is the uh, the host of the show, That's the Wilkow ma- majority over on Sirius XM on Patriot Radio. She went on to say that that feckless, dementia-ridden piece of crap, just referring to uh, to Joe Biden, just sent my son to die. Um, and uh, to all Democrats who voted for Biden, and don't forget, ma'am, Republicans did as well. So to Democrats and, and Republicans who voted for him, you just killed my son with a dementia-ridden piece of crap who doesn't even know he's in the White House. He still thinks he's a senator. Now, over the weekend, um, and you'll have to forgive me if I think that there may be a little wag the dog going on here. Okay, Just forgive me because I am cynical of, of these folks. Uh, it was reported that we took out uh, two of the ISIS planners, uh, and then uh, we took out a car and apparently might have killed a, fam- a couple of families uh, and some children when we took out the car in a separate attack uh, yesterday. Um, uh, look, it, it, it may be true. Uh, I'm just, they have made me so cynical that I find it hard to believe, and here's why. On, on one hand or the other, they're lying, and I'm not sure which one it is, right? Because at the beginning of this, they said it was an intelligence failure that they did not understand that Afghanistan was going to crumble and fall into the hands of the Taliban that quickly, and that's why they were unprepared for the debacle that happened. You remember how many times we were told that? Over and over and over again. The president repeated it. All the guys at the Pentagon, they all repeated it. Over and over again, we were told, well, we had no idea that they were going to collapse that quickly and the Taliban was going to take over that quickly. We didn't have that intelligence. We didn't have the intelligence they said that there was going to be an attack until the last couple of hours before it happened. And the U.K. had to inform us of that intelligence. But now you're telling me we had the intelligence to figure out where these two planners were in just a couple of hours and find them on the motorcycle and blow them off the motorcycle with the drone? So which is it? (laughs) Did we have the intelligence to know Afghanistan was going to crumble and you just didn't do anything about it? Which is it? Because it can't be both. Either we have the intelligence or we don't. What we have is a bunch of politicians lying. With a dementia-ridden piece of crap who doesn't even know he's in the White House, he still thinks he's a senator. Incredible. And uh, what pain that mother is obviously feeling. The pain of one of the Marines, uh, mother of one of the Marines that was lost last week. In Afghanistan, 6.06 now at KTSA. Trey Ware here. This is KTSA Morning News. Let's update you on what's going on. Hurricane Ida, at least one dead, more than a million customers without power right now in Louisiana. The powerful hurricane downgraded to a tropical storm earlier today. It's continuing to rain down in that area and continuing now to move northward, uh, moving very slowly. It's got uh, sustained winds of about 60 miles an hour right now, uh, dropping a lot of rain. It it hit with such force yesterday with 150-mile-per-hour winds that it turned the Mississippi around. And you know how powerful the mighty Mississippi is. Turned it around. 
So now with daylight in uh, New Orleans, we're starting to see the devastation, roofs that have come down, signs and buildings that have been uh, deeply affected, some of the flooding that has happened there. Uh, it, it was 16 years ago to the day of Hurricane Katrina, so everybody remembers the devastation of Hurricane Katrina. And this was more powerful than Katrina. Katrina was a Cat 3. This was a Cat 4 right out of Cat 5. 157 is a Cat 5. This one was 150, so it was right there. Uh, and, you know, we told you last week, these things, you got to watch them real close because they can blow up in a hurry. I mean, you know, once it gets out of the warm waters of the Gulf, bam, the next thing you know, can blow up in, in no time at all. That's what happened and uh, made a beeline right, from, right for New Orleans. And then, uh, of course, after that, everything to the east caught the wrath of this hurricane, Hurricane Ida. So far, we only have report of one dead and we're praying that uh, that number doesn't change. Uh, authorities still saying, though, we're hunkered down and we're going to wait until more daylight comes before we can get out there and really check and see uh, what's going on uh, with that, uh, you know, with the entire area. Mainly their concern is going to be over in uh, in Mississippi because that would be the brunt of the storm surge that they're thinking could be anywhere between 15 and 20 foot of water, wall of water just hitting in that area. And that was the case, by the way, with Katrina 16 years ago yesterday, is that it was a huge storm surge and a huge amount of the disaster was over in Mississippi. That's where they had big problems over in Mississippi. In fact, that entire shoreline was destroyed and was in shambles for a couple of years after Hurricane Katrina right there in Mississippi. We heard a lot about, of course, uh, New Orleans because of the devastation, the loss of life, about um, about 1,800 people. Uh, but that was primarily because after the storm had moved by uh, Katrina, it uh, the winds uh, brought that water through those uh, levees on the back. Remember, the levees were being breached, and Lake Pontchartrain emptied into New Orleans. New Orleans sits underwater. And they built those levees around to keep uh, Lake Pontchartrain and the Gulf of Mexico out of uh, New Orleans. Well, those levees were breached, and Lake Pontchartrain just emptied into New Orleans. So far, nothing like that has happened here that we have reports of. But now people up in the uh, Tennessee area, the Ohio Valley, and whatever, they, they are now bracing for uh, storms and uh, flash flooding that's sure to come a little bit later on. Uh, this week the kabul airport has been targeted in a rocket attack foiled by the u.s is what we're being told now targeted by a rocket attack shooting five rockets at the kabul airport more details as soon as they become available on that but now we have retired major general dana petard a former commanding general at fort bliss over in el paso saying a bigger problem that we have right now is radicalized islamists already here in the united states the real danger are the folks that are radicalized here in the United States and ready to attack us here, particularly with 9-11 coming up next weekend. Saying the suicide bombs in Kabul today, suicide bombs in the U.S. tomorrow. Biden must immediately secure our southern border before it's too late. According to U.S. Representative Tony Gonzalez, Petard, the major general, saying uh, we face a bigger problem here regarding security here at home, the radicalization of people who are here in the United States, radicalized by al-Qaeda and ISIS, ISIS-X affiliate in uh, Afghanistan. We are now learning that the Biden administration has been bringing these Afghans into the United States despite the fact that they don't have any documents whatsoever. They can't prove who they are. Many of them have gotten on these flights to get out of there, and the numbers 
have been pumped up by the Biden administration to make it sound all rosy and hunky and dory and all that. But the fact of the matter is, many of the Afghans that were brought here, we don't know who they are. According to CNN this morning, the goal from the top down, according to CNN, is to fast-track as many Afghans out of the screening and vetting process as possible through the European and Middle Eastern countries, board them on flights to the United States without first requiring documentation or proof of identity. And according to CNN, the approach from the administration has been to get as many people on a plane as you can. We'll sort it all out a little bit later on. So they have landed here in country in the United States without any documentation. We don't know who they are. We don't know their backgrounds. We don't know if they're legitimate uh, evacuees that should have even brought here, been brought here. What's, what is concerning people like the Major General is we have brought terror. We, we may have brought terror here. Did we bring terror to the United States? And uh, nobody knows because many, most of these people, we don't even know who they are. We don't know their names, their background, or any, anything. Pentagon officials said that up to 100 Afghans evacuated have been flagged as potential matches to intelligence agency watch lists. They find them on the no-fly list or that they have been on terrorist watch lists or whatever, 100 so far, that have been brought to the United States have been flagged with that. Uh, you combine that with a totally open border, and yeah, you can see the fact that there is absolute uh, panic among people right now that we are facing the 20th anniversary of 9-11 in just a week, two weeks actually, and uh, and, and here's the possibility that we, we brought in, we may have brought in terrorists. We know that terrorists came, around the, came through the southern border because they've captured a few, a couple, but maybe we have flown them in here in this um, chaos that has ensued because of the absolute utter failure of the Joe Biden administration and what they have done to our country and to our people during this entire process. You know, it didn't have to be this way. This didn't have to happen the way it happened. And we have been relatively secure and safe here in the united states for years and now we're right back into the pre-9-11 stage according to dr jeffrey atticott who is an expert on this and others we're right back to where we were prior to 9-11-2001 and the kind of danger we had then now we have we have it again and if you remember there was a lot of controversy about the way donald trump was working with the north korean dictator i called him little kim for a long time kim jong-un well, now, this morning, Fox News is reporting that he has restarted a facility capable of making weapons-grade plutonium, That he's and the IAEA is the one who's saying this, that he's right back into making nuclear weapons. He had stopped during the Trump years because everything that uh, Donald Trump was doing and working and, and all, all the processes they had going on with Mike Pompeo and even Donald Trump himself – well, guess what? All that is over with. All bets are off. And North Korea, according to the IAEA, is right back to, to making nukes. It's unbelievable how quickly the Biden administration has destroyed all of those efforts that brought us a, a, a certain amount of peace and safety. You're not always going to be 100% pe you know, peaceful and safe, but we sure were much more safe in the past four years under Donald Trump than we are in the last eight months. That's all it took, eight months 
for Joe Biden to completely ruin the stability that we had going on in the world. All right, quick break. More in just a minute. 210-599-5555. Lifestyles Unlimited. People will always need a place to live. We all know that, right? Well, Lifestyles Unlimited is going to teach you how to invest in real estate so you can retire in five years or less. They have in-person options right here in San Antonio. You can attend their uh, online seminar like what I did. It's called FinancialFreedomLivestream.com. And the Financial Freedom membership is usually $740. But right now, for a limited time, you're going to get two years for only $297. So instead of $740 for a year, we got you two years for $297. And all you got to do is use the promo code WARE, W-A-R-E in caps, so here's what you do. Log on today to financialfreedomlivestream.com and get ready to, to build your financial freedom through real estate. Some of these people are retiring in five years or less. You can too. You can do this. So just go to financialfreedomlivestream.com. Your promo code is WARE, W-A-R-E, in caps. That's financialfreedomlivestream.com, promo code W-A-R-E. AccuWeather forecast today, times of sun and clouds with an afternoon heating thunderstorm rumbling around the area. Should be about 93 today. And then tomorrow, sunshine, some clouds, hot, humid, 96. And on Wednesday, partly sunny, very warm and humid, and 94. Right now, 75. 620 now, Trey Ware, 550 KTSA, FM 1071, Trey Ware page, KTSA.com, 210-599-5555. The phones are on. And Han, you're on. Good morning, Han. Good morning. I'd like to know, when's the American people going to stop talking about everything? Let's, get, let's start doing something about some of this stuff. What do you recommend? Quit being so scared and just going to do what we got to do. All right, Han, thank you. Uh, you know what? The elections are coming up. The midterms are just around the corner. I hope that uh, many people took the advice of uh, of several of our callers last week and rang the phones in Washington to let them know. I, I'm seeing this whole thing uh, where we have representatives and we have senators who are calling for Joe Biden to be removed from office, either through the 25th Amendment or through impeachment. Impeachment's not going to happen. It's just not because Schumer and Pelosi control the Congress. So um, unless Joe decides he's going to resign... Or the Democrats decide, and they're not going to, to take up these impeachment offerings from Republicans. You're stuck. This is this is the classic elections have consequences. This is it right here. Tim, go right ahead. You're on KTSA. Hey, Trey, I got a question for you. Okay, Tim, go ahead. Hey, listen, uh, I'm curious what Trump has to say about all this, and I'm wondering how are we keeping him from doing anything about this? Well, what would you like for him to do, Tim? Do what he was supposed to or do what he said he would have what would happen if they did this. Ooh. We wouldn't have lost nobody if he was there. Well, that's true, but he's not in power right now, Tim, so there's not anything he can do. I mean, you know, it's, it's not like he's going to go, you know, throw, physically toss uh, Joe Biden out of the White House and take over. That's 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 not how it works, not in this country. Well, that's what needs to happen. Well, okay. <laughs> well, I understand frustration there, but that's not how it that's not how it works in America. This is the classic elections have consequences and um th- this is where we sit right now. And the 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 deal is, folks, uh, as America sleeps, 
The uh, Democrats came in. The leftists came in. They took over power. They control the levers of power in a lot of different areas. They control the big institutions of power. I mean, what what was it that the guy said? um, We had Michael Hayden, who headed up the CIA, right, under George W. Bush. And Hayden was saying over the weekend that, uh, or, or, or last week, that people who vote for Donald Trump, who follow Donald Trump and all that, you, you, you're the same as the Taliban blowing people up. You're the same people. You're, you are identical to the Taliban. And then Arne Duncan, do you remember him? He was the education secretary under Barack Obama. Arne Duncan said over the weekend in a tweet, that if you're a non-vaxxer or if you stand against wearing masks everywhere, you are as bad or worse than the Taliban blowing up our our men and women in the in the in, in the armed forces. That's Arne Duncan, the former education secretary under Barack Obama. That's what they think of you, and that is not just two guys. Washington, D.C., when Donald Trump said the swamp, that's exactly what he meant. Washington, D.C. is full of people who hold conservatives, God-fearing, traditional-loving Americans in contempt. That's what they think of you. You're no different than the Taliban. And they came in and they took over the major institutions, including the media, including all of those institutions in D.C., including the political parties, both political parties, and the swamp runs it. Sit. Bottom line. And this is what we end up with. Uh, Joe Biden is is uh, a weak shell of, of a man. He always has been, by the way. He's never had an original thought. He's a plagiarist who plagiarizes uh, other people's thoughts and other people's writings and other people's speeches. But see, here's the thing. America knew that about Joe Biden before he was elected, and they elected him anyway. Whether whether they did it by cheat or whether it was legitimate or maybe it was a combination of both, and I think that's exactly what happened. But you you got a guy in there now who yesterday when he went to FEMA because of the storm that was moving in, he wanted to do this whole you know uh, photo op with FEMA. He goes and stands there, and he says after he gives his remarks to the FEMA headquarters in D.C., Joe Biden says, I've been instructed to not take questions, but go ahead. Oh, okay, go ahead. Play. I'm, not, I'm not supposed to take any questions, but go ahead. Yeah. Mr. President, on Afghanistan? I'm not going to answer Afghanistan now. Okay. Hey, turn around and walk away. I've been instructed or I've been told to not take questions. Here's what I want to know. This is on the heels of the press conference last week where he said, folks, I've been given the list of the people I'm supposed to call on. The first is Kelly O'Donnell from NBC. Who is this? It, it, it clearly is not him because he's saying it's not me, folks. I, I've, you know, I've been instructed to call on these people or I've been told that I'm not to take questions, blah, blah, blah. And, somebody, and it was Reuters who said, well, what about, uh, what about Afghanistan? I'm not talking about Afghanistan. I'm not going to answer any questions about Afghanistan. This is the guy who is the president of the United States that is responsible for those 13 deaths last week. Whether he wants to accept that responsibility or not, which he has not done done so, whether he wants to accept that responsibility or not is irrelevant. He's responsible for those deaths last week. 
And yeah, the American people have some questions, and those people who are burying their sons and daughters right now, they have some questions, and the man can't even stop long enough. Well, he stops. He can't even justify their existence by answering their questions. Oh, and by the way, he's catching a little bit of heat online as well because when he went to Dover Air Force Base over the weekend when the bodies came in, he spent time staring at his watch, checking what time it was. Because, you know, I got a meeting coming up for reals. I got another meeting coming up for reals. For reals. I have to make that next meeting. That's what we're dealing with. That's who we're dealing with. And that's the situation we find ourselves in. 210-599-5555. Now, a woman who is spending time right now, investing a lot of time trying to get folks out of Afghanistan and working really hard to do that is going to join me in our next segment. She's got an incredible story to tell and one that you need to hear. That's coming up next here on KTSA. Car Zeus is your place to buy your car from you. If you've even thought one time, one minute about selling what you're in right now, you want the easiest way to do that, just log on to CarZeus.com. CarZeus.com will take care of it for you. They eliminate all the risk and time it takes to sell your vehicle. Yeah, don't get tricked into the two-minute offers only to spend four hours at the dealership. CarZeus will save you time. They'll save you hassle. They're the new and improved option when you're looking to sell your car, whatever it is that you're driving. CarZeus is here to buy it from you. You know, they pay the same day. They even offer to pick it up. There's no corporate red tape. They are real people helping people. And by the way, they're salaried employees over there, so they have nothing to gain by trying to twist your arm into selling your vehicle. They just want to buy it from you. So, again, don't get tricked with the two-minute offers only to spend four hours at the dealership. See our friends today. Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Stay connected. I never thought in a million years we would die for nothing. For nothing because a feckless, dementia-ridden piece of crap decided he wanted a photo op on September 11th. 637 Trey Ware, 550 KTSA, FM 1071. The Trey Ware page at KTSA.com and the Ware and Rima page at KTSA.com as well. Um, just stay away from 35 again. I, you know, we just need to issue that as a blanket don't do 35 anymore because it's, once again, we've got a big mess over there. We'll get some more details on that uh, coming right up. But first, Marine Corporal Charlie Reeder is joining me. Uh, he's trying to get his interpreter out of Afghanistan. They have been working night and day tirelessly to try to get him out of there. His name is Carl, and uh, the corporal's joining me right now. Corporal, thank you very much for your time this morning. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. How's it going? Uh, it's uh, it's not going good. Um, I mean, every day it gets exponentially worse um, as, as time goes on, so it's it's getting harder on the ground, and now there's having a lot more kinetic activity um, you know, between uh, the Taliban and, and ISIS-K on the ground there. It's, uh, it's getting increasingly dangerous. Um, we are hearing that the Taliban is not allowing anybody else to the airport. Is that what you're finding out, too? Uh, yes and no. Some, some are, some aren't. It, it's, it's a really weird situation on the ground. Uh, some Taliban aren't letting anyone through. Uh, others are, are helping people fix their cars so they can get through. So it's 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 hit or miss at this point. But overall, the the consensus is they don't want anyone else coming through. Uh, they've actually had control of the airport now, 
and have have even gone so far as to pull people off planes that have already been manifested onto them. Somebody told me that they also have control of the uh, tower, and they're only allowing they're only giving clearance to certain aircraft to land. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. Yeah, they uh, only only U.S. flights. They're they're giving the uh, the opportunity to to leave at this point. Now you were, uh, I understand, headed to the gate, or, or Carl was when the explosion happened, and uh, and Carl couldn't get through because he was, you know, obviously was on his way to the gate. Yeah, he um, so he he was actually there, and uh, his his cell phone was was dying, so he went he went back to charge it, and then ten minutes later the explosion went off, um, and then during all the the, the chaos, he, he was able to he found a little girl uh, laying on the ground that that was. Uh, severely injured, and so he put her in his car and, and the family and tried to get her to the hospital. They ran her in there. However, she uh, unfortunately passed away from her injuries. Tell us about uh, Carl and tell us about your relationship with him. So I met uh, I met Carl in 2012. Um, at that point in time, he'd been an interpreter for, for quite a while. Uh, you know, he's, he's probably one of the best interpreters that, that I ever came across. He's one of the few there that... Uh, that, you know, believed in the mission and and was always very selfless. Put others before him, and he's he's saved uh, a couple Marines' lives as well uh, during his time. And that's that's what makes this this whole thing heartbreaking. We we had a chance to get him through uh, through a gate. Um, I, I had a British Royal Marine that was able to walk him through. However, the Marines at the gate turned him away, and you know that was the most heartbreaking for thing for him to experience. You know, working with Marines for for years and years. Uh, only had the very same people turn him away, uh, so that was that, that was kind of a tough blow that day. Um, is he from there? Is he from Afghanistan? Yes, he is. Hmm. Um, and so he's been working with us for a long time and helping our side against the Taliban. What's going to happen to him if he doesn't get out? Uh, his they they are actively hunting him right now. Uh, he, he's had to move locations about nine or ten times. Uh, at this point, and he's had his his family's been harassed about his whereabouts. Uh, that they've gone after his, his uncle a few times, just trying to to get a location with him. Uh, it, it's definitely going to be a, a very dangerous situation. Um, however, once the U.S. pulls out, I think the Taliban's going to get into a conflict with the Northern Alliance, which might take might take the pressure off him a little bit. But he's 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 not out of danger. He's he's still very much. Uh, very much in danger at this point. Talk to me about the country, and you just mentioned the uh, Taliban getting into conflict with Northern Alliance. We're talking about uh, a bunch of different, actually, tribes and uh, groups that are there, and more probably will pour back into the country. Um, with your experience there, Corporal, what do you see happening with the country, and what does it mean for us? Well, what it means for us is it's it's going to be a massive black eye for the United States. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that much. Uh, you know, everyone had been pushing, and look, I'm I'm not a Republican or a Democrat or, or, or anything like that. I don't really play the political games, but the fact that this administration is sticking to their August 31st deadline to to pull out and and not uh, not get all the American citizens out that they can or the people that helped us out that they can is probably the largest neglect of human rights I've ever seen this country do. Uh, and in terms of what's going on on the ground, it's essentially going to descend into a civil war. And, you know, all the the, the work that we've put in for the past 20 years has gone out the window. In fact, 
you know, we're going to be going back to something that looks more like Afghanistan in the 80s, if anything. We uh, have heard of the rise of veterans here stateside who are calling, uh, you know, for psychological services uh, since this began about 10 or so days ago. Uh, it's, it's quite a, a thing to hear of the telephone calls that they're looking for help because they, they spent so long over there, as you just said, seems like everything that we accomplished over the past 20 years is going out the window. It's very upsetting. Uh, your, your thoughts and emotion about all of it. Yeah. I mean, it's heartbreaking. It's been a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of emotions to process through this. And, you know, I've spoken with all, all my guys and, you know, we're, we're all have sort of the same, the, the, the same feelings of it's almost like losing a child, uh, at this point, you just just feel hollow and disgusted with with everything that's that's been going on. So, it's uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's taking its toll on the veteran community for sure. Our people, I'm going to let you go, but our people feel helpless here. Um, is there anything that we can do? Um, anything that that people who listen to this show all across the country can do to help out in this situation? Uh, the the only thing I keep telling everybody is uh, just keep harassing your your elected officials and don't let them rest. Don't don't let them forget this. Don't let them have the opportunity to sweep this under the rug. Get it out in front of them and, and make them face it till they do something about it. And that's the only thing we can do right now. I I know you can't say much, but I I can. I I I know what's going to happen tomorrow. They they they're just going to close the doors. They're going to. Uh, fly the last airplane out, and they're just going to leave those poor people there and um, to to face whatever is is going to happen to them. And that's a damn shame. And it's uh, it's criminal. It's absolutely one hundred percent criminal what this administration and how this is how this has been handled. It did not. Whether you believe we should be there or not, we can debate that all day. But the way this has been handled from the very beginning under this administration is absolutely criminal, and people will lose their lives. I pray for your interpreter, Carl, but I know that people like him and uh, and others will lose their lives at the hands of the Taliban. And, Corporal, it didn't have to be this way. It did not have to happen this way. No, no, it did not. And not, not only people, but American citizens are going to be left on the ground there when they pull out. There are still thousands of American citizens trying to get out and cannot uh so that's that's going to be a huge you know we always say we don't leave anyone behind and we don't negotiate with terrorists and we've done the exact opposite we've left thousands behind and we're now working hand in hand with the people that we fought for 20 years oh, that's absolutely disgusting so frustrating sir thank you for your service thank you for your time uh, our listeners will pray for carl and we will let uh, our representatives know and we will be in touch with you for further updates okay sir thank you very much i appreciate it appreciate your time marine corporal Charlie Reeder, who is trying to get his interpreter, a guy by the name of Carl, out of Afghanistan. All right, so coming up, uh, Carl Eggers is going to join me. We'll talk about money. We'll talk about the markets. That's coming up here in the next couple of minutes. Listen, I-35 on the northeast side of town, it's almost as if we just have to say this every single drive-in, every day. But at O'Connor, we got an 18-wheeler that's wrecked there. There's another SUV that's wrecked there. And traffic on both the north and southbound side is just barely moving barely moving 
So, again, if you're coming in from New Braunfels and all that stuff, you're going to have a wait. And on the northbound side, if you're trying to get out of town and head toward New Braunfels or San Marcos or whatever, you're going to have a wait because both sides are super slow. They're moving, but I'm talking about inching through. Again, northeast side of San Antonio, IH-35 in the O'Connor area is where the original accident happened, but it, it reverberates through the entire area over there on the northeast side of town. So... Be prepared to give yourself a whole lot of time uh, wherever you're planning to go. Back. TSA Morning News with Trey Ware appear courtesy of the Stevens Roofing Newsmaker Hotline. Federal Reserve officials are trying to figure out how to pin down the concept of maximum employment. That will be key in the decision for when to start easing the Fed's easy money policies. The best things in life are free. And give them to the birds and bees. I want money. Nothing like a bunch of flying lizards around the studio on a Monday. That's what I want. I want some money. And speaking of the Federal Reserve, the Chairman Jerome Powell gave his speech, Jackson Hole, last week, saying the U.S. economy has made enough progress for the central bank to possibly begin tapering off their asset purchases this year. But get ready, because more rate hikes are coming. Carl Eggers from CreatingRicherLives.com joins me on Monday at this time. What, how, did, how did you interpret what uh, Mr. Powell was saying, and how did the market interpret that, Carl? Yeah, it's not a big big surprise, Trey. I mean, they've been telegraphing this for a few months. And, you know, there's remember, there's a big group of Fed officials. Some of them have a voting right. Some of them do not. Um, but they've, some of them have been out there saying it's time. It's time that the economy's recovered enough that we need to take our foot off the accelerator to stop some of these asset purchases. They're buying bonds to essentially keep interest rates down and kind of help, help the economy. I want to be very clear, though, and, and the listeners need to understand what this means. This is not the same as raising interest rates. Raising interest rates where they literally go and say, we're going we're gonna to adjust interest rates up. That will that may not happen for a whole other year, maybe even a year and a half. So that's on the back burner. What they're talking about is is uh, ending the quantitative easing, and all they're talking about is reducing their purchases. They're not talking about shrinking the Fed's balance sheet. That's a that's quantitative tightening. That is a different animal. This is like you know inning one of a baseball game. This is the very first thing that they're going to do, and so they're probably going to start doing that at the end of the year. And so the implications are maybe nothing, but it could be that interest rates start to just naturally go up on their own a little bit, um, long-term rates. So when you talk about refinancing a home and things like that, but I, I will tell you, our, our estimate is that interest rates are still going to be pretty low for a long time in this range. And, but what we are dealing with, and you and I have talked about it, is inflation it's still going to be here for a while i mean these high prices and things costing more than you're used to that's not going to change because the supply chain is still messed up um delta has thrown a wrench into that even further and so that's going to go on for a while so it's it's not quite what they used to call stagflation where the economy slows a bit and there's inflation but it's a little bit it's a cousin of that so we're going to see Prices continuing to go up, and the economy is starting to slow a little bit. I mean, these crazy bounce off what we saw you know, a year and a half ago has to slow down a little bit. So we're seeing a little bit of a slowing in the economy. At the same time, inflation is still high. And one other thing, sometime this week or, or I believe next week, we're going to have maybe 7.5 to 10 million people that are going to stop getting uh, some of the pandemic aid that they've been getting the last year and a half. 
So you could see a lot more people jump into the, the, the workforce in the next few weeks here. So we need to watch that as well. Maybe, maybe, just maybe we go to restaurants and we don't have to wait two hours because there's not enough staff. Well, uh, only pay, you know, uh, $75 for a meal with four people there, a uh, family of four having lunch, paying $75 these days. The prices have gone uh, just insane because of that supply yep. issue. In fact, Cisco announced last week the largest food distributor to uh, to grocery stores that they're having interruptions now because, number one, they don't have drivers, and number two, there's production issues as well. And any interruptions like that only drives the prices up higher. Well, and don't forget, I mean, it's not just bottlenecks. The prop, the issue was when people stopped going to movies and restaurants a year and a half ago, they didn't stop spending. What happened was all this government aid came in, and so they just redistributed their spending. They instead spent on things like, you know, luxury goods and and, and improving their homes and, and continue to buy things on Amazon. So the spending continued. And so when you had the production drop, like you said, when they literally couldn't make it fast enough, and then the economy came back faster than people thought, that's what the problem was. So we had demand going up. At the same time, supply was going down in goods and services. And don't forget, too, that the government aid was a huge part of what kept this economy going. I mean, you can argue that it wasn't as necessary. You can argue they should have ended it earlier. You, should, you could have argued the wrong people were getting it. But we had a ton of aid. Not only went, went to individuals, it went to businesses through the PPP loans. And so you're seeing you're seeing all of that. There's just too much money out there chasing too few goods, yep. and that's what inflation is. I mean, look if you if you're a hunter going to buy corn for your feeder, it used to be seven dollars a bag, fifty pound bag, like maybe you know three six months ago. It's ten dollars a bag now. Oh, I know, so I know. Board, right? and, and, well, yeah, people people are eating, and they're realizing how expensive food is these days. Carl Eggers, creatingrichalives.com. Thank you, Carl. Where in Rima? Up next, KTSA.